How are you all doing tonight? How are you all doing tonight? Why don't we just, um, why don't we just quickly bow our heads right now and um, just pray for the nation of Indonesia right now. For those of you who don't know, there's um, another three bombs went off in uh, Bali over the last 48 hours or so. And, uh, you know, so far 20 odd, 25 people have been killed and a whole heap of people injured. And uh, we just want to pray that, that God will just fall upon that nation. You know, God's doing something powerful in that nation right now. And uh, the whole nation of Indonesia, it's like, it's, it's, it's quite a lot of Muslim and Hindu people there. But, you know, the thing is, God is, in, in the midst of a Hindu nation, in the midst, in the midst of a Muslim nation, God is raising up some mighty, mighty churches. And, um, you know, for so many times, I believe, for a long time, people have looked down upon Indonesia and thought, you know, could anything good come out of that? All we tend to hear about is violence and this, that. Friend, I want to tell you, that country, well, God's going to raise that country up. God is going to raise men and women up in that nation. And I believe that this is an attack against that nation to hold it back. So why don't we just, 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 just stand together and pray for them right now. Father, Lord, we just, um, Lord, we hold before you right now the nation of Indonesia. Father, we hold before you the uh, barley. God, we pray today, Father, your presence, Father, would fall upon that nation in Jesus' name. Father, today we pray for the, the people of Bali. God, today we pray that you, in this time of uh, trauma, this time of death, God, we pray today that you'd pour out your blessing upon them in Jesus' name. God, today we pray for a mighty harvest in that nation in Jesus' name. Father, we just speak your blessing and your favor upon them right now in Jesus' name. God, we just hold the police there before you. Father, you'd help them to find those people that did that terrible thing and bring them to justice in the name of Jesus. God, we just pray for them right now. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Awesome. Uh, you ready for the word of God tonight? Fantastic. Hello. <laughs> well, I preach down here. Maybe I should preach over here. Maybe we should just turn all the seats around and I'll go that end and <laughs> Yeah, that would scare some people, wouldn't it? Righty. You got your Bibles tonight? Yeah. If you haven't got a Bible, somebody next to you should have a Bible. Just lean over. And uh, have a wee sticky beak. Awesome. Let's turn in our Bibles right now to John chapter twenty one. John chapter twenty one. Let me know when you got it. Give me a a wave or something. Hey, well, we live in exciting times, I mean. Oh, Anna, you got it. Good stuff. We're living in such tremendous, exciting times. Friend, if you're a Christian here today and you're finding life boring, well, something is definitely wrong. <laughs> and uh, friend, I want to tell you today, being a Christian is not boring. And, uh, you know, our relationship with Jesus Christ is the best thing that could ever, ever happen to somebody. And, uh, friend, I want to tell you, the day I found Jesus Christ, man, my life got taken on a, a massive adventure. I mean, I've done things I never would have thought I would ever have done before. And uh, I've been scared in ways that I've never been scared before. But, uh, you know, looking back, uh, you know, I have no regrets. And, uh, you know, God is raising up lots of people around the nation. God is raising up lots of young people all across the world right now. And um, I got, uh, you could be. Yes. Yeah. 
I see God is using young people right across the nations of the world right now. And uh, it's amazing how many people are getting saved and uh, just what God is doing. It's just incredible. And all through the history of, all through the, history of the world, God has used young people. And uh, quite often it's like, uh, you know, God, sometimes people think that God only uses smart people or a specific type of people. Friend, God will use anyone that is hungry to be used by him. And uh, you look at the disciples that Jesus chose. Now, when Jesus came onto this earth, his, his, the reason that Jesus came, the Bible says, was to destroy the works of the devil. Everybody say, to destroy the works of the devil. He came that we may have life. Everybody say, he came that we ha- may have life. And life in abundance. See, the, but the Bible says, this is the reason the Son of God was made manifest, that he would destroy the works of the devil. Friend, like I said, we don't have to look very far to see that the, the, the works of the devil in, uh, in our society, in our world today. Friends, you don't have to read the internet today to see this, this nasty tragedy that's happened in the nation of Indonesia. You don't have to look very far to see that there is a, uh, our, our, our world, our community needs a saviour. Amen. And so this was the reason that Jesus Christ first came into this earth, that he could bring mankind back into a relationship with God again. And so, you know, Jesus was only on this earth for a certain amount of time. So in order to, uh, to extend the work, he chose 12 disciples, 12 men that he would invest his life into, that he would invest his time into, that they in turn would carry on the work that Jesus started and, uh, and absolutely turn the world upside down. Friends, that is the reason Jesus came, to turn the world upside down and to, uh, and to destroy the works of the devil. Friend, it's not just Jesus that destroyed the works of the devil. Friend, he, wants, he, he, he put his spirit into young men and young women that they in turn would also stand up and destroy the works of the devil. So often we pray and say, God, you rebuke the devil. No, often God says, no, I've put you in a place that you would learn to stand up and rebuke the devil for yourselves. Sometimes we pray that, God, you come down and, and, uh, and rebuke the devil off our community. No, 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 he's saying tonight, young people, you stand up. You learn to rebuke the devil out of your schools. That is why I've put you in that school. That is why I've put you on this place at this particular time. This is the way I've dressed you, the way I've dressed you. This is why, the, why, the reason you look the way you look, because I have a plan and a purpose for your life. I want you to make a, a difference in the place where you live right now. You learn to stand up. You learn to bring the, uh, rebuke the devil. You learn, learn to bring revival into the place that you live. And so when Jesus was on this earth, he picked out 12 disciples. Now these 12 disciples, uh, I mean, they were all sorts of different, I mean, they came from all sorts of different backgrounds. Friends, if you had these guys, I mean, Jesus must have been the, the most brilliant leader out. I mean, if, technically, if you had all these guys together, uh, they would have been infighting and carrying on just because of their makeup and who they were and what they came from. And uh, one, of the, one of the people we're going to talk about today, his name was Peter. Everybody say Peter. Peter. Now, Peter was an amazing young man. Peter was a fisherman. How many fishermen in this place tonight? Yeah. Uh, sorry, fisher people or something. <laughs> people was a, Peter was a fisherman. Now, I'm going to tell you about fishing. It's up... Uh, People that are into fishing uh, big time, t- pe- pe- people that, uh, that are fishermen for a living, I mean, they tend to be rough. <laughs> they don't tend to be that handsome. They don't tend to be that polite. They don't they tend to be that PC. I mean, I talked to a guy the other day, and by hokey my, he was, he was a, he, he was a, he's a fisherman. And uh, I went to say hello, and my goodness, you want to hear the stuff that came out of his mouth. 
And he was not ashamed to, he was not PC in any way at all. It was just amazing. I thought, man, you'll make a great preacher one day. And it's like, and it's like Jesus was walking around and he, he was looking for men and looking for people that he could invest his life into. And he comes across this man called Peter. And Peter was a fisherman. And the Bible describes it like he were, they were, him and his brothers were called sons of thunder. In other words, man, they could mouth off. How many people know that can, somebody that can mouth off big time? And uh, Peter wasn't afraid to stand up and, and, and to call a spade a spade. And so Jesus looked at this man and said, there is something in this man that, that I can use. He could see past the outside. He could pass the rough out where he could see past the language and see a man that God could use in a powerful way. So he said, Peter, come and follow me. The title of my message tonight is You, Follow Me. And it's like... Uh, Right now, all across the world, God is calling people, young and old, to stand up. And he's calling people tonight, you follow me. You follow me. I will make you a fisher of men. I want to turn your life upside down. Can you imagine if, if Peter knew all the adventures that lay ahead of him? If that, I mean, there was a time when Jesus said, you follow me. If he just knew what he was going into, I wonder whether he would have, had, <laughs> whether he would have said yes. <laughs> But it's like when Jesus calls you by name, he says, you, Reuben, follow me. You, Maddie, follow me. He's saying, I want to turn your life, I want to make your life an adventure. I want you to turn your world upside down. I'm going to put my spirit inside of your life and you are going to turn your world upside down, baby. Ordinary people. And so here we have a man called Peter. Ordinary man. He wasn't, the Bible says he wasn't learned. In other words, he wasn't that highly educated at all. All he could do was really could mouth off and he could put up a good argument and he was a damn good fighter. <laughs> and he knew how to catch fish. And so, but God saw something. Jesus saw something about this man that he could stand up and, and, and be used powerfully by God. And so as you see, uh, see, Jesus starts to take Peter on an amazing adventure. I mean, they do all sorts of freaky stuff together. I mean, they're out in the storm and, and they see Jesus in, uh, walking across the water. And he says, Peter, get out of the boat. I mean, imagine walking on water. I mean, I've walked on water. But I used a, uh, I used a mechanical, I used a boat to do it. <laughs> but I've walked on water. And, uh, but I used, yeah, like I said, I used a boat. And I walked on water for a few steps and then fell off. But it's like, can you imagine that? The, can you just think about the, the, the amazing journey that, that, that Jesus Christ walked on with Peter? And so there comes a time in, 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 in Peter's life where I mean, he gets a revelation of who Jesus Christ is. And he, he, he walks with the man of God and, and watches how he rebukes the devil. He, I mean, think about it. He sees the most amazing things. Walking on water. He sees multiplication of food. He sees all these amazing miracles. He, he, was, he was there when Jesus was transfigured on the mount. He was there when he got the revelation of who Jesus Christ was. See, so he walked through, he had all these amazing experiences walking with the man of God. And there, there was times when the man of God, Jesus, sent him out and said, Peter, you go out and cast some devils out. And it's like, all of a sudden, Peter started to pick up the same spirit. During that time, there was a molding, there was a shaping of, uh, of the life of Jesus into these 12 disciples, one of them called Peter. And at the end of the day, it's like when Jesus, um, Jesus finished his ministry on earth, and we're going to have a look at right now, let's have a look in John chapter 21. 
And, uh, and then Jesus says here, verse 21, that, uh, that, that Jesus cooked the disciples a breakfast by the sea. That was when the barbecues were invented. I love breakfast by the sea. I love eating by the sea. It's unbelievably nice. And uh, so here Jesus was cooking fish on the sea. And uh, this is after Jesus has, had, had, uh, had rose from the dead, and, uh, and he was getting ready to go back to the, to the right hand of the Father. And so he says, when he had eaten breakfast, he said to Simon Peter in verse 15, Simon, of son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said, yes, Lord, I know that you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. And then he asked him again, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And he said, tend my sheep. And he said the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all these things. Uh, and he said, feed my sheep. And it's like, see, Jesus has put his spirit. Jesus, uh, like I said, chose the disciples because he wanted to, these disciples to stand up and to carry the work of Jesus Christ. And friends, that is why you are saved. That is why you are saved. That is why Jesus Christ has appointed you and called you and called you into the kingdom. Because he wants you to work out the purpose of Christ in this earth today. That is why you are here. And it's not for, uh, that is why he's placed his spirit inside of you so that you can learn to overcome the devil, so that you can learn to calm the storms, so that you can learn to roll away the stones, so that you can learn to make a difference. Because if, Jesus does it all the time. No one will grow. And so he says it in this, and then he says in the next part here, in verse 18, he says, Most assuredly I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wish. But now that you are older, you will stretch out your hands, and another will gird you and carry, out, carry you to a place where you do not wish. In other words, he's saying, he's saying, Peter, he's saying, my time on this earth is coming to an end. I want you to start to stand up and start to be the man that God has destined for you to be. You've walked with me long enough. Now you must learn to stand up. Now you must learn to grow up and stand and walk on your own two feet. Now it's time for you to stand up and to carry out this work that I have started. He says, Peter, when you were younger, when you were a young boy, he said you could do the things that you wanted to do. You could go where you wanted to go. You could, you could do whatever you please. But he says, now that when you're older, and, 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 and as, he talked, as he talked like this, he was, he, was, he, was, he was almost like showing Peter a picture of the life that, that was in front of him. See, a lot of people, we want to be used by God. And last week I talked about paying the price. Friend, if you want to be used by God, friend, there is a price to be paid. And so Peter, Jesus says to Peter, now it's time for you to stand up and to grow up and stand up on your own two feet. Peter, there's going to be some things that happen to you later on down the track that you're not going to want to do. But he said, you follow me. First of all, right at the beginning of his, of his ministry, he said to Jesus, uh, he said to Peter, Peter, follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. Second, again, he says the same thing. Peter, follow me. In other words, when you start to stand up and start to take responsibility, if you want to see your world turned around, if you want to learn to stand up and learn to take dominion for yourself, 
You must learn to stand up on your own two feet. You must learn to grow up. The Bible says, uh, uh, Paul says to Timothy in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, he says, when I was a child, I thought like a child. I behaved like a child. I talked like a child. I reasoned like a child. In other words, my, my choices were child, childish choices. But when I grew up, I put off childish things. And I know many people here, it's like you want to be used powerfully by God. We all come into this place and say, yeah, we want to see our nation turned around. We want to see our schools saved. We want, to see, um, we want to see our city turned around. But part of us says, God, you do it sovereignly. God can do it sovereignly. But he wants you to stand up and learn to overcome. And it's like when you're younger in the faith, like somebody else, uh, somebody else comes along and, 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 and gives you hope and gives you all these and pampers you nice things. But there's got to be a time where you're going to learn to stand up on your own two feet and learn to feed yourself. In other words, he's saying there's going to be a time in your life where there's some things that you don't want to... Uh, he, he, he's starting to describe the death that Peter's going to have. And he's saying, Peter, I've put my spirit inside of your life. I want to use you. I want you to be. I want you to be the one of the cornerstones of the church. I want you to carry on this work, but it comes at a cost. And he's saying to Peter, Peter, it doesn't matter what the cost lies ahead. It doesn't matter what life may bring. You follow me. What he's talking about today is commitment. So many Christians, it's like today, and it's like a lot of. A lot of young people in today's generation, it's like the whole word commitment, it's like it doesn't even register. Yeah, I'm committed. But it's like, commitment means you're actually, uh, you, every part of your life, you're totally focused on a certain task or you're totally focused on a certain, um, on a certain job. Commitment. Friends, in order to build the church, in order to turn our nation around, in order to see your school turned around, in order to see our our region, our our Hastings turned around, it will take this. It will take commitment. It will take, uh, you'll get what you pay for. So it will come at a price, but you also got to be committed to it. And a a lot of young people today cannot stay committed to a job. Cannot stay committed to school. A lot of people today, even Christians, cannot stay committed to a marriage. Sadly to say that even in the Christian world, there's just as, almost just as many divorces in the Christian world as there are in, in the, uh, out in the world. The word commitment, the word covenant relationship seems to be somewhere out there. I mean, I don't like a quitter. Man, I tell you, man, I have this. Um, uh, you know, when it gets hard sometimes, man, you just feel like quitting. I, had, I used to work with this house removal company. And, uh, man, that was the hardest job that I ever had in my entire life. And we went to this, went to this house and we had to shift this house. And they, uh, they said, man, we, he said, they said, the boss said, Dave, I need you to, you need to break this big lump of concrete. concrete. I mean, it was a massive big lump of concrete. It was like, about two cubic meters, like the back, the back porch of a house. And it's like, and he gave me a sledgehammer. I thought, oh yeah, where we go. We'll get into this. But I tell you, I hit this flipping thing half a dozen times and it didn't even chip. <laughs> I tell you, I hit it so hard and the thing did not even chip. 
and I was gutted. I thought, oh man, this is going to be a, this is going to be a long day. <laughs> this is going to be one heck of a long day. Man, I'll whack this thing and I'll whack this thing. And I started getting blisters on my hands and uh, it hurt. It hurt like crazy. But uh, and, and uh, yeah, I thought, man, there's got to be an easier way. Yeah, there was an easier way, but the guy wouldn't fork out the money. But anyway, it's like commitment. But at the end of the day, I had to stay and hit this thing and hit this thing until my hands were flipping hurting. And, uh, but eventually the thing broke up. And I'll tell you what, having a nice cold drink after that was unbelievable. But it's like, you know, to, to push back the works of darkness in our community, it will take hard work. It will cause blisters on people's hands. But if you just stick to it, if you commit to the cause, if you are committed, if you hold fast to the faith, you will see your breakthrough. And so he says, Peter, he said, it doesn't matter what happens in front of you. It's not going to be an easy road. See, a lot of people cr- uh, uh, preach Christ about uh, Christianity is an easy road. Friend, it is not an easy road. But at the end of it, it has the biggest reward you could ever, ever have in your entire life. I'm telling you today, being a Christian is the most exciting adventure, but it is hard yakka. But at the end of the day, the reward is bigger than you could ever imagine. So he says, Peter, it doesn't matter what the cost. He said, I'm counting on you, man. I'm counting on your brother to carry on this work. I'm counting on you to stand up and learn to rebuke the devil. I'm counting on you, Peter, to carry on this work that I've started. So he's saying to you young people today, older people, he's saying, I'm counting on you. I've saved you for a purpose. I'm counting on you. You follow me. Doesn't matter how hard it gets. Doesn't matter what life may throw at you. Doesn't matter what people to do, do to you. You follow me. You follow me. You stay the course. You know, so many times over the, uh, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, I've been in ministry, uh, around ministry for, for most of my life. And I've seen men of God come up and I've seen them fall up. I've seen them stand up and fall over. I've seen another one come up and fall over. I've seen another one come up and fall over. It just gets too hard. It gets too hard. It does get hard sometimes. But friend, the, the, what's at stake is too much for us to quit. What's at stake is too much for us to quit. Friend, I don't like quitting. I won't quit. I will not quit. When Jesus called me to follow him, it meant follow him for the rest of my life. And so Peter says, uh, and so Jesus says to Peter, he says, Peter, follow me. Hold the course. Hold fast. Doesn't matter what life may bring. Hold the course. And so Peter, he's looking around and he's, uh, he sees one of the other disciples over there. And he says, Lord, what about him? What about that guy over there, Peter? What about that guy over there, Jesus? And so many times it's like, and Jesus' response, Jesus' response was, what about him, Peter? What about him? What if I permit him to live and never see death? What about him, Peter? Don't look at the circumstances around you. Do not look. And so what happens is Peter, this great man of God, gets sidetracked. And so often we get, we get sidetracked by other people's walk. We start to compare ourselves with, with what's going on around us, what's going on in, with other churches and other moves and, and other nations and stuff like that. And see, so the devil will try anything he can to distract you from, the, from, from being committed to the cause. Young people today get distracted by by the things of the world, things that are appealing. 
God, yeah, it's like we come to church and God, yeah, we want to see our nation turned around. But then something over here will, someone will offer you uh, maybe a job in another place which looks really inviting. Oh, that looks pretty cool. But what about that person? Or sometimes we think about, we look about other churches. God, what's, what's happening in America? What's happening over there? What's happening in Australia? He says, don't worry about what I'm doing necessarily in Australia. Don't, you follow me. You hold the course. It doesn't matter what's going on around the world. You, you stay committed, Peter. You stay committed. Young people today, you stay committed. Don't be a quitter. Don't be a quitter. Friends, the cost is too much. Sure, it's going to hurt, but it's like, why do we go through it? Because it's this generation here, and it's the next generation. It's the hope that one day our nation will turn and come back to Christ. That is why we get up and pray. That is why we come to church. That is why we stand up for what we believe. That is why we don't give up. And so here we sit, and so Peter, he, uh, he gets this challenge by, God, by Jesus. He says, Peter, never, ever quit, never, ever give up. Doesn't matter what happens. Doesn't matter what uh, the other people think you should do or what's happening over there, or what's happening over there. Peter, you stay the course. You do not quit. You follow me with everything you've got. Friend, following Jesus is not just coming to church every Sunday. That is not following Jesus. That is just coming to church. Following Jesus, uh, when you're a follower of Christ, you are a disciple maker. If you are not a disciple maker, you cannot claim to be a true disciple of Christ. Because he said, go into the world and make disciples. Following Christ is, is, is carrying on the work that Jesus Christ started rebuking the works of the devil and bringing life into a place where there is no life. That is what it means to be a follower of Christ. Having the word of God, you're learning to get the word of God inside you and live the word of God. And so then Peter, he takes on this challenge and you see in Acts when the, when the, when the, when the spirit of God was poured out upon the church and the, early, the, the church as we know it started, Peter was the one that stood up and testified of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. He was the one that stood up and proclaimed what was prophesied hundreds of years before. Friend, I wonder what God has got planned for you. I wonder what Jesus has got planned for your life. I wonder what he wants to do through your life. If you will just not quit. If you will just stay the course. I wonder what God has around the corner for you. But sadly, so many today, it gets a bit hard. They can't get out of bed. Or do I have to come to church today? My goodness, man, wake up. Wake up. When I was in a, teaching in a Bible school a, a couple of years ago, and some of these people in the Bible school, they, um, they traveled, they, they were from Nepal, uh, somewhere over that way. They, they had to travel a whole mountain range. They walked a whole mountain range in order to come to the Bible college. Those people that read the, the book, The Heavenly Man, it's like there was a, there was a tomb, uh, uh, a, a memorial was going to be built in Europe. And the guy said, friends, man, I've got, I've got friends in China that will carry a tombstone from China all the way to Europe just to honor this man. Commitment, man. Not quitting. Not backing off when it gets hard. I wonder what God has got planned for your life. 
And so you see, Peter starts to stand up and starts to testify, and the church as we know it today was first started. Friend, if Peter had not stood up, if Peter had not, if Peter had quit, I wonder what it would, what it would be like today. Peter wasn't no ordinary, he was just an ordinary guy. Like the Bible says in, in, um, in, uh, in, in, uh, in, in Hebrews, it talks about the man and woman of faith. And it says, some were tortured, but did not, but refused to give up. Friends, there is always an option to quit. There is always an option to quit. Many people in the world today, tortured for their faith, they do have the option to quit. Friend, you do have the option to quit. But, it's, but at the end of in the Hebrews 11, it talks about, but they did not quit, but they did not give up because they could see a better resurrection. Friend, there is something in eternity that lies for people who do not quit and who do not give up. There is something set in eternity for you, but you've got to earn that thing. But there is always an option to quit. And friend, God will take us through the fire, not just to, to damage our lives, but to build us. That fire is, is, a, is like in the school time. and it's like, You know, when you get a hard time at school for standing up to your faith, for your faith. It's like a fire that God takes you through. Sadly, so many people, they can't even get near. It's just like a little, they just get a little bit warm and they run. Maybe if you can walk through that fire. The Bible says that even though we walk through the fire, I shall be with you. Friend, you won't walk through it alone. And so these people, uh, all these men and women of faith, the Bible also says in Hebrews 12, since we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off all these things that get around our life and let us run the race with endurance. Friend, I'm telling you, God has got a plan and a purpose for your life. But since we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, what is this great cloud of witnesses? It is all these men and women of old that have gone before us. Peter, Paul, David, Abraham, Isaac, Rahab, all these men and women that saw miracles, that, 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 that obtained promises, that quenched the mouths of lions. Smith Wigglesworth, Catherine Coleman, they're all dead. Now they're all in heaven, part of the cloud of witnesses, now looking down upon you and I, thinking, what are you doing with your life, boy? What are you doing with your life? Watching how you run the race, watching how you walk through the purpose that God has planned for you. Are you running the race? Some of you don't even know that the gun has gone off yet. Standing there, am I in a race or what? what's going on? Friends, the race has already started, baby. Some of you are still standing in the starting line or going for a little stroll taking the scenic route. We're taking the scenic route down the racetrack. There's nothing, nothing wrong with enjoying life, but there's a bigger cause in life. I don't want to get to the end of my life and think, hmm, maybe I should have spent some more time fishing. Maybe I should have spent some more time surfing, or maybe I should have read some more books. Maybe I should have made some more money or built some more houses. I should have bought an RX-3. I should have bought that car. I should have bought this car. I should have bought that boat. I should have. I wish I could do it all again. That's not going to happen, friends. You'll get to the end of your life and think, 
by God, I wish I had done something greater with my life. I wish I had just stood up. I wish that I could have just done something great with my life. But 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 I got sidetracked. Some of you get sidetracked by the things of the world. Some of you get sidetracked by what your, your, your friends are doing. Some people get sidetracked by what other churches are doing. Or, but God is saying, you hold the course. You don't give up. You run the race with endurance. Friends, that is why you sit in a wonderful church like we have today. Because somebody didn't quit. But that somebody one day will die. Who will carry on the baton? Who will extend the work? Who will carry on the work so it spreads to this nation? Will it be you? Or will you be sidetracked? Or will you quit? Will you find it too hard and give up? Maybe it'll be somebody from the kids' church. Maybe it'll be some little kid from from a broken family might have a little bit more guts and stand up and say, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll hold the baton, baby. I'll do what you couldn't do. I'll do what you quit at. Friends, sadly say it will happen to some people, but it doesn't have to happen. And so Peter and, 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 Peter, and Peter too, he says this. Let's just turn to the, just quickly to the end of our Bibles and, and to Peter. So Peter was a man who was, who was uneducated, he had a problem with swearing, he had a problem with his sword, he had a problem with his fists, but God used him powerfully. And he stood up and he didn't quit. He carried the work on that Jesus Christ ordained for him to do. And it says here in, in, in 2 Peter. Now this is where Peter, he is, uh, uh, he is getting near the end of his life. See, Peter, he died this, a similar death to Jesus Christ. Except he was hung upside down on a cross. And it says here when he gets to the end of his life, in verse 1, he talks about, see, this letter is a letter from Peter to you today. Like I said, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. You know, I'm telling you right now, Peter is in heaven right now, and he's listening to us read this letter that he's written. He knows he's getting to the end of his life. And he's saying, I want to write a letter to all those followers of Jesus Christ, both in the day that I live and into the future. So as he's writing this little piece of scripture, he's got you in his heart. He's thinking about you as he's writing this. And he's saying, and, and um, of these first four verses, basically in a nutshell, he's saying, friends, there is more to Christianity than just being saved. Friend, when you just give your heart to Jesus, that is the starting point. He says there's so much more to that. He says, but in verse 5, for this very reason, give in all, giving in all diligence, add to your faith virtue. The word virtue is, uh, is to be a good person. There's actually two meanings, uh, being a good person, being a nice person. But it also means power. In other words, he's saying, the first thing you should do when you give your heart to the Jesus Christ, you've got to get the power of God in your life. You've got to get the power of the Holy Ghost inside of your life. So many churches today don't have power. 
and he's saying these things, add to your faith power. And to your power, add knowledge. In other words, friends, you've got to get the word of God inside of your life. Knowledge of the purpose that God has for your life. Knowledge of who God is. Understand that, uh, understand, uh, get, get an understanding of the Bible. You've got to get the Bible in you. And it talks about, uh, to knowledge, self-control. In other words, stop acting like a little kid. Grow up. Start to take responsibility. Stop living out of your feelings. Stop living out of your emotions and start to live out of the Spirit of God that is within you. And when you start to do that, don't quit. Add to that perseverance. Don't be a quitter. Get the power of God inside of your life. Get the Word of God inside of your life. And do not quit. And he goes on for a few things and he says, he goes, shortly I'm going to be, shortly I'm going to be crucified. Shortly I'm at the end of my life right now. So these are the final words that I've got to say to you. If there's anything that you should have in life, get the power of God, get the knowledge of God, get the word of God and do not quit. Those are the most important things that you can have in your life. There's a few other things there. And he says, for that, if these things are in your life and in your life in abundance, friend, I tell you, when you get into heaven, it's not just going to be a, a sneak in the door. Baby, the whole place is going to blast apart. Say, this man here, uh, open the doors. Let this guy in. This is a man of God. Bible says that such a great an entrance into heaven you will have. I don't know about you, but I want that entrance into heaven. You too can have that entrance into heaven. And he says, for this reason, don't be negligent. This is a, this is a man who's about to die. He's looking back upon the life that he's lived. When he was a fisherman, when he was a businessman, and then when his life turned around and he encountered Jesus Christ and didn't quit. And these are his final words to you. Don't quit. Don't give up. He said, because this is not just a, this is not just a story that I'm telling you. He says, I was an eyewitness. I saw when Jesus was transfigured. I saw the manifest power of God. I saw the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. I saw the resurrection, Lord. Friend, this is not a story. This is the truth. And I know he's imploring you today. Friend, don't quit. Don't give up. Stay committed. Follow Christ for all of your days. I was an eyewitness. I saw it. Friends, many people here, you've seen the power of God move. And he says at the end of this life, he says, because, friends, there's going to be a w one day. He says, I know there's a day coming when one day the heavens are going to roll back. One day there's going to be thunder. The heavens will roll back with thunder and lightning and the Son of God will come like a thief in the night. In other words, there's going to be, you won't know when he's going to come. All of a sudden one day the heavens will roll back and there he was. The Son of God will come back again. And he says, make sure, make sure that when that happens, Young people, make sure that when the day comes, when you meet Jesus Christ, make sure that you are found worthy of him. Make sure that when you come before him, he's not going to look at you and say, you quit, you give up. 
You had it easy, but you thought it was tough. So young people, older people, today, with all due diligence, build these things into your life. It's not about just standing up here and having goosebumps or like that. It's about the long haul. It's about not giving up. It's about not quitting. So what are you today? Are you a quitter? Do you find it too hard? Will you be the one that sees God move upon your generation? Or will it be somebody else? How will you be found? How, what sort of circumstance will you be in when Jesus Christ, when you meet Jesus Christ, whenever that may be? Whether you die and stand before him, as we all have to do, or whether in our lifetime the heavens roll back and the Son of Man comes again, how will you be found? That was a nice message, wasn't it? Come on, let's give Jesus a big shout of praise. Let's have the musos up. Let's everybody stand to our feet. Nobody talking? No, I'm not Steve. It's Steve. Everybody just close your eyes right now. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just thank you for your presence into this place. Father, today, Lord, we thank you, Father, for the lives of these great men and women that have gone before us. Lord Jesus, today we thank you that it's our turn. It's our turn. I'm wondering tonight, maybe you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus Christ. You've never invited Jesus Christ into your life. Tonight would be a good night to do that. Why do you invite Jesus into your life tonight? Friend, it's more than just coming up and saying a sorry Jesus prayer. It's about having the King of glory come and live inside of you. Friend, he wants to turn your life into a great adventure. If you don't know Jesus Christ tonight and you want to invite him into your, into your life, why don't you just come up the front right now? Maybe you've backslidden and fallen away from God. Good on you, man. Well done. Is there anyone else that will come for? It takes courage, it takes guts. Maybe you've fallen away from the Lord. Why don't you come up and come back to Jesus tonight? Come on, nobody talking. It's between you and God right now. If you were to meet him tonight, how would you be found before him? Is there anyone else? What we're going to do right now is I'm just going to lead you all in a prayer. And as I lead you in a prayer, I just want you to follow me, okay? And we're just going to pray a prayer inviting Jesus Christ into our hearts. Amen.
Awesome. So just, I'll, get, I'll pray the prayer. So if you haven't received Jesus Christ into your heart, I just encourage you, don't just babble this off like a parrot. Pray this from the bottom of your heart. Here we go. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today. Lord, I've sinned and gone my own way. But tonight, Lord Jesus, I turn to you. Tonight, Lord Jesus, I repent from the sin in my life. I believe that you died on the cross and that you rose again. Tonight, I ask for your forgiveness. I ask you into my life, Lord Jesus. Come and cleanse me, Lord Jesus, from all sin. I ask you to be my Lord, my Savior, and my best friend. Lord, make my life an adventure. Lord, I choose to follow you all the days of my life. Thank you, Jesus. Father, just thank you for my brother right now. Father, thank you, Father, for the courage in his heart. Father, today I pray that you come around his life in a, in a powerful way in Jesus' name. Father, I just release your love into his life in the name of Jesus. Father, you see the difficulties, Father, that he faces. Father, you see, Father, the struggles that are inside. But Father, I thank you today, Lord, you see the potential. Father, you see a man of God inside of there. God, today in the name of Jesus, Father, I call forth the plans and your purposes, Father, for his life in Jesus' name. Father, I pray that you'd raise him up as a mighty man in Jesus' name. Father, today I call forth the plans and the purposes, Father, you have for his life in the name of Jesus. Father, I just speak your blessing upon him in Jesus' name. Amen. Good on you, man. Danny's going to look after you. Do some stuff. Come on, let's give him a hand. Maybe some of you here tonight, as I've been speaking, you're feeling the call of God upon your life again. Some of you inside will be feeling it, hearing that voice inside of your heart. Follow me. Follow me. Make a difference. I want to make your life into an adventure. For some of you here today, you've got intimidated or got sidetracked by other things. But tonight, make a decision that you will follow Jesus Christ every day of your life. Make a decision in your heart tonight that you won't quit, that you will not give up, that you will see the power of Jesus Christ come into our community. Make a decision that you will leave something for the next generation to pick up. As we just sing into this last song, if you want to make a decision, if you're feeling God calling on your heart, to come up and, and to make a fresh commitment to him. Why don't you just come up and fill this place just as we sing this song. Come on, let's go.